like to uh, turn to uh, the book of 2 Timothy, please. 2 <clears throat> Timothy chapter 1, excuse me. Second Timothy chapter 1, uh, Lord willing, <clears throat> next uh, Sunday, if the Lord Terrace is coming, uh, we do plan to continue in our series through the book of Joshua, uh, as well as in our series through the gospel of, of Mark. But tonight, I felt the Lord leading us to, um, to look at um, a, a number of scripture verses. There's... Uh, a lot of uh, questions, a lot of confusion, and a lot of concerns that we carry with us uh, throughout our life. And as you know, I, <clears throat> I tend not to, uh, you know, really get into, um, into uh, commentations on, on each and every uh, little news and a little event in the world. You know, I I'll leave that to the talking heads that we can all watch through our screens. You know, they do that much more eloquent and and, um, uh, you know, we rather want to just preach the word of God, amen, declare the gospel of Christ. And uh, at the same time, though, sometimes when, it do, when things in this world do affect us, when things in the world it do make us concerned, um, it is in the Bible that we find all the answers, amen? And it is through a biblical worldview and through a Bible-based perspective that even when we're enamored and we're bombarded with all sorts of um, confusing or frightening uh, news and events that we're able to have a steady footing and that we're able to uh, move forward by faith no matter what the news cycle may throw on us because we have trust in the God of our Bible. And um, <clears throat> this evening, I'd like to first uh, read Second Timothy chapter 1 and then we're going to pray. Second Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 7. Verse 7. The Bible says there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me read it again. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Mind. Let's bow in prayer together tonight. Dear Father in heaven, I want to thank you tonight, Lord, that we can look to you. Lord, you're not just some warm, fuzzy idea up in the sky somewhere. You're not just a religious invention. Father, you're the true and living God. You're the God that speaks to us through your living word. And Father, you're a father who we trust, who we love, and Lord, who we seek to obey and yield to one more each day. And Father, as we see the day uh, of your son's return for us uh, fast approaching, Lord, we look to you and we ask you to help us, Lord, to live as bright and shining lights, uh, Lord, in uh, a world that truly do, does need the Lord Jesus so much. And Father, we pray that you would um, give us a calmness in our hearts, you give us a clarity in our minds, and you give us a power in our hearts, Lord, to truly be your witnesses in these last days if you've, as you've called us to be. We love you and we pray now that you will bless this message, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The title for our message this evening is, What Does God Think About AI? <laughs> 
What does God think about AI? You may wonder, what in the world? Uh, why are we talking about this? And what does it have to do with the Bible? Well, once again, we're not here to comment on anything the news cycle throws at us. But uh, what we do want to address uh, from the Bible is fears, concerns, and, and worries that I find a lot of Christians have been plagued with these days. And, you know, if you're worried about the future of our country or uh, the future of our society uh, in general, you're certainly not alone. And maybe you're not worried and maybe you're confused. Maybe you're, you're wondering what is this all about. And God is not the author of confusion, as we know. Amen. And so we want to uh, encourage uh, ourselves by, tonight by looking at the Word of God and looking up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing that I find interesting is that many times I am afraid, I am concerned about the future. That's a human condition that we all face, folks. That's just part of being human and even as believers. But then I realized that, you know what, I may not know everything about the future, but I sure do know who holds my future, amen? And I'm very thankful for that. <clears throat> and um, we find that technology uh, and computer capabilities have uh, developed and basically exploded uh, over the last maybe 10 to 20 years. And they can accomplish quite impressive feats. But some people are also quite concerned and quite fearful uh, about the abilities that man-made machines can develop. And um, we wonder, where is this all going to end? Where is this going? And you know what? Not just as Bible believers who wondered about that, some of the smartest and greatest minds of our day can instill a lot of fear uh, with their concerns uh, that they've publicly expressed. And we have to understand one thing about the fear in our hearts. And that is this, the things that cause us to fear are usually the things that we feel we cannot control. The things that cause us to fear are usually the things that we feel we cannot control. And yet then we find here in our verse of scripture that the Lord has uh, given us a very clear um, principle of truth here. Where we see that from God we are not giving a spirit of fear. And so first of all, we need to realize that a, um, a, a continually fearful condition is indeed a spiritual condition. The Bible calls it a spirit of fear. And so there is a battle going on in our hearts, a spiritual battle uh, of con the control of our thoughts and our concerns, uh, where uh, the enemy of our soul who seeks to devour us with the spirit of fear. That is a spiritual aspect, not just mentally or emotionally, which it is, of course, too. But notice then, how do we counter this? How do we counter this? It says there, but of power. Where does that power come from? Whose power is it? Well, we look at the beginning of the verse. It comes from God. We have been given God's power to um, <clears throat> overcome and to uh, conquer and to uh, face uh, with everything that this world deals at us. Now that's pretty empowering. <laughs> Talk about empowerment, right? Because here's the fact. I do not control much of the future, but that doesn't mean I have to be fearful about it because God does control it. And I'm in His hands. He's my Father in heaven. Amen. Um, now notice then, of love. 
You know, when we get fearful, it is then that we oftentimes get into self-preservation mode. We, uh, survival instincts kick in and we can become quite uh, selfish. Uh, I remember my uh, grandparents telling me a lot about that uh, back from their life in the Soviet Union. That, that, I mean, life was just brutal. Life was so egotistic. Life was so hurtful and nobody trusted one another. Nobody cared for one another. It was, there was no joy. Nothing like that. And it was all because it was just people were just in bare survival mode. You know, I got to look out to feed my belly or else. Um, but God says, no, 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 as Christians, we've given the, uh, a heart of love. Not of fear, not of being controlled, but of Christ-like selfless love. Folks, it is the love that causes us to speak the truth. As Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. That's loving. Um, it is love that causes us to stand up and to share the gospel. Amen. Uh, and give people that hope. Now notice a sound mind. Sound means healthy, uh, clear, reasonable, a clear thinking mind. A mind that isn't twirling around with panic and with worry and fear. But rather a mind that has learned how to uh, line up our thinking to the mind of Christ, which we find in our Bible. And is thinking, is thinking sound, clear thoughts, a sound mind. That's very important, especially when we're faced with, with threatening uh, uh, events in our life. You know, as the old saying goes, like, well, you know, what, what do you do in an event of fire? Well, first, don't panic, right? <laughs> keep, keep, keep a clear mind, right? Um, and God wants us to keep a clear mind, even uh, as uh, we see. Um, these last days approaching more and more. Now, I want to give a little bit of background here in regards to our topic tonight. And folks, uh, I won't go into too much details. Um, uh, I, uh, I have much more here that, that uh, we have time to share tonight. But just so you get a little bit of an idea, what are we talking about? Why is this a development of what is called artificial intelligence such a great fear factor for a lot of people to, uh, right now? And so we find that, as I mentioned, the um, development of technology and of computer capabilities have just exploded recently. And you may have seen uh, or heard about the launch of the uh, ChatGPT and, and all these other uh, uh, development of just impressive technology. You know, apparently I could go in with a few clues and without, uh, within seconds have a full sermon outline if I wanted to. <laughs> no, I won't do that. Uh, because I believe the message needs to come from the Word of God through the Spirit of God. But that's the kind of capabilities that these uh, autonomous uh, um, uh, uh, machines have. We find that uh, people have been able to successfully uh, perform surgeries through robots and AI cloud computing from the other side of the world. Um, we see the rise of self-driving vehicles of intelligent drone swarms, uh, even of autonomous weapons of war that are faster, more efficient, and more precise than anything that humans could accomplish. Uh, we see computer chips that uh, can be implanted into the human brain and can connect uh, to uh, some AI cloud computer that, that interacts with uh, our, our, the br our brain waves and so forth. And we can, through that uh, technology, operate machines just with our thoughts, 
I mean, it, it's fascinating and at the same time just, you know, freaky. <laughs> uh, what is all possible? I looked up the definition for AI or artificial intelligence, and I just want to read that uh, to you. Uh, Wikipedia defines it as um, uh, perceiving, synthesizing, and inferring information demonstrated by machines as opposed to intelligence displayed by non-human animals or humans. So it's not about talking about animals or humans. It's something else. It's machines. Google defines it as the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, and translation between languages. An AI machine is able to control a computer or robot that uh, can accomplish tasks that could usually only be done by humans or would require human intelligence and decision-making. And uh, it can do that so, uh, with a many times higher efficiency, speed, and, and, and well, perfection, if you will, uh, to, uh, in certain areas. Now, a lot of this is, of course, still in its infancy, and, and we're just at the beginning of this developmental curve but nevertheless, we can see in a lot of ways where this may be going. Um, we see how uh, our lives may be drastically changed. A lot of our daily routines may be taken over by uh, machines and robots um, who complete those tasks much better than humans could. Um, and that could make our life safer or more efficient in some ways. But it could also be dangerous to our privacy, for example, because it requires an abundance of information gathering. And so, of course, we, uh, we know that um, uh, every one of our devices uh, that we hold in our pockets uh, or that we have on our desk is feeding that uh, information cloud uh, of artificial intelligence. Um, uh, all the, the cameras and all of these things around are all part of invading uh, that uh, privacy of our life in order to supposedly make it better, right? Um, it also brings to concern uh, for a lot of jobs. Um, I remember uh, watching a heartbreaking video of a, uh, a, um, a cleaning person, a, a gentleman who, who's uh, busy cleaning an airport. And all of a sudden he stopped and watches this little machine driving around with immense speed and doing his job. And he realized his days are numbered. And, you know, that, that just happened just recently. And so um, the concern is that it could take over a, a lot of what we are or what we do. If you've used Siri or Alexa or Google Voice, or like I said, if you've used the cell phone or even a computer, uh, you've used types of artificial intelligence to some degree. <clears throat> and you've been part of that feeding process of that intelligence. Now, what does the Bible say about all of this? We do find um, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, uh, I think an interesting um, description of uh, the end times. And I want to turn there in Daniel chapter 12, in verse 4. The wonderful thing is that even though the Bible, of course, doesn't address every little aspect of human development and 
um, every event in detail. It does give us principles. It does give us uh, plenty of um, uh, uh, ideas and even foresight uh, for us to be able to make wise, to make sound uh, decisions based in truth, not in fear. And so Daniel 12 verse 4 reads this, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And so, again, we find that this is certainly lining up with a lot of the general prophecies that the Word of God has given us. You know, how a travel has exploded really since the development of steam engines and airplanes and all of that. Um, and also knowledge has increased, you know. We carry more information and more computing power uh, in our little cell phone uh, po- uh, devices um, than uh, astronauts have used uh, to land on the moon. Uh, I mean, that's just stunning, uh, that development. We find in Revelation chapter 11, verse 9, to end-time witnesses there for Christ, um, uh, who stand up and, and preach the gospel and so forth. And, um, and we find there how all kindreds and tongues and nations shall see when they do get killed uh, um, there for three days and a half uh, until God raises them back to life. And so a story there all in its own that we could go into at some other day. But join us for Thursday night Bible studies through Revelation. Um, but what I find interesting there is, you know, in the days of where live stream has become common uh, day occurrence, we can definitely see this happening. How all the world could see an event that will happen in Jerusalem all at once, live, while it's happening, right? Uh, just uh, maybe uh, 50 or 100 years ago, that, that would have been hard to imagine. Um, so we see, you know, some of these developments should not shock us. We, we see how God foresaw that technology uh, would uh, develop in many fascinating ways. But there is a greater concern that is connected to this oral inf- intelligence. And that is the aspect of transhumanism. Transhumanism. Now, again, we won't go into all the juicy details there. Um, I did find it hilarious, though, that when I was was uh, looking up the definition for it, I ended up in the uh, electronic version of the Britannica Encyclopedia, and I literally had a, a, a picture of Jeff Bezos with a creepy smile right there at the definition of transhumanism. <laughs> Sorry, I had to share that. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but really, uh, uh, transhumanism is this, this idea, um, this um, uh, advocacy to enhance the human condition by developing and making widely available sophisticated technologies that can greatly enhance longevity and cognition. Uh, that's how I believe Google uh, defines it. You say, what does this mean? In other words, once again, um, uh, uh, machines that and to some degree or another get so much involved in our life that they literally mix with us as human beings, right? We talked about these computer chips uh, that, that uh, are now able to be implanted in, um, you know, let's, let's say people suffering with great disabilities, right? Which, I mean, could be a great advancement for them, no doubt. Um, but at the same time, we see how, how those, those lines merge more and more, all in the name of advancement and uh, uh, progress, but it involves uh, more. It, it, there's a lot of emergent technology involved, such as genetic engineering, 
which I think is definitely a, a very concerning uh, aspect as in regards to human genetic engineering um, and where, where people play creator God. Uh, but also, uh, again, artificial uh, intelligence. We see nanotechnology involved in that, where soon we, we may have uh, robots in our body to you know, fix our arteries or whatever that are smaller than, uh, than you know, or small as a blood cell. Um, I mean, it's fascinating at the same time, <laughs> also you know, kind of scary. And um, we find that uh, people who, who advance that, transhumanists, they uh, try to develop a future where um, technology will be able to slow down or, or maybe even reverse our natural aging process um, and will um, uh, enhance and prolong our lives and our cognitive and sensory capacities. Their goal is ultimately to um, develop technology that would transcend our human, uh, human uh, limitations and develop what they call the post-human, the post-human. Um, now again, we once again see how a lot of wonderful benefits and, and, and advancements are coupled with uh, quite the uh, concerning agenda. Um, and we find this word transhumanism was first coined by a biologist called Julian Huxley in 1957. Um, uh, who was uh, seeking to advance through technology the uh, human condition and thereby bring about social and cultural changes that would transform 21st century society into what uh, uh, him and a f uh, some fellow scientists envisioned. Um, We see their goal is to overcome a lot of our human limitations through highly intelligent, highly advanced technology uh, and expand our human potential. We find in recent days that transhumanism has found a lot of supporters in the Silicon Valley uh, among um, uh, people like uh, Google co-founder Larry Page, Amazon's uh, boss Jeff Bezos or Tesla's Elon Musk who have invested billions into researching it. Um, we find that it is advanced in particular uh, by one very, uh, interesting person called uh, Yuval Noah Harari, uh, which is a professor at uh, the Hebrew University of Jerusalem um, and, and a, a world-renowned philosopher and uh, uh, scientist. And his um, pronounced goal in life uh, is to uh, um, create a homo deus, as he calls it. Homo deus. Now, deus uh, comes from the word for God. He wants to create a, um, a deified new human race, so to speak. Homo deus. Uh, all with the help of technology. Um, his research focuses on questions such as what is the relationship between history and biology? What is the essential difference between what he calls homo sapiens and other animals? Which I'm not an animal, all right? We're made in the image of God, rather. Um, he researches if there's justice in history, which there's only justice when we look to God, folks. Anyways, um, so many questions that he's investing his research in could be quickly answered. But... 
He asks, does history have a direction? It does. Uh, it will all accumulate in the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Um, he asked, did people become happier as history unfolded? And, uh, you know, I doubt his answer to that will be yes. I think it's rather no. The further away we turn from God, the more miserable people again. Uh, I mean, there must be a reason why, uh, sadly, tragically, uh, we have such a crisis, uh, uh, such a drug epidemic around. Um, uh, we see that he considers ethical questions uh, in regards to science and technology. Um, and he does that all with uh, the big backing and support um, of a new world order and one world government uh, supporters such as the World Economic Forum. Now, all of that is out there in public uh, uh, knowledge. You can all research that. Um, but the question then is, how should we feel about that? How should we respond as believers about that? And I think best it would be best for us to go back to the beginning. Amen? Genesis chapter 2. Um, now, your Bible does begin with Genesis chapter 1, all right? So we're almost at the beginning. Um, Genesis chapter 2, we read there in verse 7. Who'd, who'd like to read that for us uh, tonight? Uh, Genesis chapter uh, 2, verse 7. Brother Liam, could I ask you to turn down the heater, please? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, thank you, brother. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. It, yes, you have Genesis 2, verse 7? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So it was the breath of the eternal almighty God who breathed into the human race, into starting with Adam there, and uh, made us a living soul. Now that is, I believe, referring there to a part of our human existence that animals do not have, that uh, uh, any uh, um, uh, you know, material objects do not have, and that machines do not have neither. And that is what we call a soul, or as it's referred to also, a spirit. And we have to realize that our human existence uh, goes beyond just our human reasoning capabilities, our human intelligence, as it's called, um, that we're more than just sentient, we're, we're more, we have more than just, just a consciousness, um, as, as scientists would call it. Matter of fact, we are a living Soul. We are eternal beings made in the image of the Creator God. Now, of course, um, uh, a God-denying scientists cannot, you know, um, understand those matters, and so their 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 knowledge, unfortunately, is limited in those areas, uh, which is stunning, uh, you know, compared to all the other uh, advancements they're so many times capable of. But already, all the way back in the Book of Job. In Job 32, verse 8, the Bible says, There is a spirit in man. There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration, or, you know, the breath, as we learned this morning, the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. So we already realize a significant difference that I believe no other uh, uh, um, existence can ever cross. And that is that we have a part of our being that is spirit, that connects back to our creator God. Uh, we find that animals, as wonderful and as lovely as God made them, and you know, we often love our pets to death and all that, but the fact of the matter is they do not have that ability to worship God. Um, and, and so they're made different there uh, compared to us humans. Um, 
We then move on through Genesis chapter 1 uh, all the way really to Genesis chapter 8 where uh, at least eight times we find a clearly mentioned again and again and again that everything that, that God made, he made um, after its kind. After its kind. After its kind. Eight times he emphasizes that. In our words, there are distinct uh, groups or categories uh, within God's creation. And there's lines that cannot be crossed. All right? An elephant will never mate with a, I don't know, a crocodile and bring forth some being. You know, I mean, we could, uh, I I don't know if uh, one of these days genetics engineering could force that. But um, the fact of the matter is it it would be unnatural and and I I doubt it would end up in anything else but failure or at least disaster. (laughs) Why? Because the creator God made everything in its own kind. And that's true about the human race as well. I want to illustrate that further in 1 Corinthians 15. So let's move uh, forward there to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 38. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 38. So many uh, Christians, you know, even some of us here in our church family have been very concerned, very fearful about where we're headed uh, as, as things just seem to speed up like, like, a, you know, uh, like, like on a bike going downhill without brakes. <laughs> and um, folks, the more I studied this, I mean, I found there's just scriptures after scriptures after scripture verse, and I could have added two or three dozen more verses than what we're going to read tonight of uh, uh, principles and, and truths uh, to help us make sense of the mess that we live in. And we read there in 1 Corinthians 15, 38, But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Again, we see that idea repeated there after each its own kind. It says in verse 39, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of the flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds, goes on to say in verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So it's differentiating there between um, uh, earthly bodies and, and, you know, the things in space and so forth. Um, Anyways, verse 41, uh, notice there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory. And so we see there that it is God who makes the distinction. Between the kinds. Um, and so I think this really helps us to consider when we ask ourselves the question, you know, would mankind have the, the power, the ability to instill some kind of sentience, some kind of consciousness, or furthermore to instill a spirit into any of our creations like machines and computers and robots? Um, to make them like us or to either, even uh, um, become superior to us? And I believe the answer to that is no. Um, now, technology can uh, de- uh, you know, develop in, in mind-blowing uh, degrees, but I do not believe that it is possible within God's creation to cross those lines of kinds. 
and we see that only the human race has been given the image of God and that kind of likeness um, in our being. Zechariah 12, verse 1, the Bible says that it is the Lord who stretches forth the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. And I don't believe that we can <clears throat> um, uh, do what only the Creator is meant to do, folks. Um, let me read Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Here's another reason why I believe this. <clears throat> and that is when we look throughout history, and as you know, I'm, I'm a big history buff, we see that mankind has repeatedly tried this already in some form or another. Mankind has repeatedly attempted to recreate themselves and to create some sort of higher state of human being. For example, <clears throat> in the late 60s and 70s, the Russians uh, called that a concept, the new Soviet man. And it was supposed to <clears throat> um, be completely changed. Uh, human race through lifelong socialistic education from birth on to uh, rid that Soviet man of, of any selfish tendencies and and, uh, you know, to, to um, uh, live solely just for the good of the collective, for the good of the better, uh, the greater community, so to speak. And, and uh, through that, they were seeking to rid society and rid the human race of all its evil tendencies in it. The key was that through socialistic education and through the government, you know, taking care of all our basic needs we'll be able to create wonderful human beings that will be perfect and that, um, uh, that would be, uh, you know, just good. Now, from what you know from the Bible, do you think they succeeded? No, not at all. Amen? And if you know history, you're aware that that utterly failed. And within a decade or two, that Soviet system collapsed due to uh, economic failure and due to corruption. Corruption, maybe the epitome of selfishness. Similarly, <clears throat> during the great leap forward, as it was called, and, and following attempts <clears throat> of the communist leader of China, Mao Zedong, uh, he heralded an ushering in of a new creation of human species through, <clears throat> um, once again, communist education, through complete government control of all areas of of life and economy and through strict enforcement policies that would make this new citizen more efficient and superior and more glorious than anyone in the capitalist systems. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now guess what happened? Up to 55 million people tragically starved to death instead. During those great leap forward, and um, one of China's greatest tragedies happened. We could even go further back, and, and I could literally give you dozens of accounts similar to this, where mankind has attempted this over and over and over again. Another attempt uh, is that's well known was during the French Revolution uh, in the 18th century, 
where they attempted to create a new social being. And again, it was always based on sincere, uh, noble-sounding good intentions, as it's almost every time is the case. But if it's done without the involvement of Almighty God, our Creator, each and every time it's doomed to fail, and much worse yet, to even backfire and get worse instead of better. Well, guess what? Instead of ideas like equality and individual freedom becoming commonplace, what happened uh, uh, to uh, become commonplace was heads being chopped off in the guillotine. And over 30,000 people died in just a few short years, and, and whole areas of France became almost depopulated. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, though, where we do see the one and only successful way of recreation. And where God is involved and makes a better, a superior human being. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says there, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's the key. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, but all things are become new. It is only through salvation in Jesus Christ that we receive uh, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that uh, we do have um, a second attempt uh, at life, so to speak, and, 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 and that we become a new human being. Uh, and it starts, first and foremost, spiritually, uh, through a spiritual uh, uh, rebirth, as it's called. The Apostle Peter says that we need to be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So having then looked at these facts from the word of God, from a biblical perspective, I further want to encourage us tonight. God controls the future of the human race, folks. Not the scientists, not the rich elite somewhere. Uh, not all the people we see on the news. And we do not need to be controlled by the fear-mongering that we face each and every day out there. Not at all. It is because God controls our future that we can trust God with the future. Including all these concerning developments in our world, whether it be artificial intelligence, transhumanism, or whatever it may be. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Revelation 21, verse 6, he says, I'm the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And folks, if God knows it was there at the beginning, God is with us right here and right now, and God will be with us uh, until the end of the world. Amen, as he says in Matthew 28, we can be encouraged that we do not have to be afraid about how this is going to end. Because guess who's standing there at the end already in his eternal, timeless perspective? The Lord Jesus Christ! Curtin Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Folks, 
the highest intelligence conceivable in the universe, the Godhead does not and will not change and cannot in any way be challenged or worried by the creation of any human endeavors or by any artificial intelligence. I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 24. Um, who'd like to read that for us, please? Isaiah 14, verse 24. Isaiah 14, verse 24. I find it uh, amazing here uh, how, how we can almost see some parallels to, to what artificial intelligence uh, the claims that uh, it is making. And yet God has been much more uh, higher and superior in this from the beginning of the creation. Who has Isaiah 14, verse 24? Uh, yes, Brother Charles. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. <laughs> Do you notice this? First of all, everything that God thinks and everything that he says and he decides to do will happen. That's just a fact. Secondly, you know, we think it's super fascinating that, you know, we can operate a machine just through our thoughts and it's like the, the top notch of human development. And, and, you know, once again, I praise the Lord if that can be a help to, you know, people with disabilities or whatever. That's all wonderful. But, you know, unfortunately, mankind has a tendency to not always use good inventions only for good. Um, and God says, oh, big news. I've been doing this for, since the beginning of creation. God thought to create light. He spoke and there it was. <laughs> He's not impressed at all with our abilities. Do you see this? I mean, we can't concern him whatsoever. <laughs> no matter what incredible feats of engineering, human or even machine-supported computerized intelligence may attain, it will never be able to replace or even come close to the intelligence of Almighty God. And with that, you and I, who are created in His image, do not need to worry whatsoever. In Isaiah 46, verse 9, the Lord says, For I am God, and there's none else. He will not, He cannot be replaced, folks. And, and, and you know, even if we would, 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 would be able to create the most unimaginable machines at this point, it won't even come close to the one who runs every atom in the universe. And I find great comfort in that. I find great comfort in that. Um, he says there, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It's going to happen. Well, let, me, let me read this there. Uh, Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's none else. I'm God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times to things that are not yet done. <laughs> God already knew it. <laughs> He's not surprised. He's not impressed. He's not shocked, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, you say, but, 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 you know, humans have, have just, just this incredible ability for evil. And we use our God-given abilities, unfortunately, more for that purpose than anything else. And that's why we need Christ to recreate us and change us. Amen. Um, and so let's look there in uh, Psalm, um, Psalm chapter 2, first and foremost. Psalms chapter 2, verse 
sure appreciate your attention tonight. And, um, you know, I know we, we deal with all sorts of different aspects uh, each and every day in our life. And I don't know, maybe this is not a concern for you whatsoever. You couldn't care less. But maybe it is a great fear of, in your life. I don't know. The Holy Spirit does. But wherever you are in your life, God has a message for us tonight. And he's saying, you know what? I want to challenge you. If you look at how I reveal myself to you in the word of God, are you going to be willing to trust me? That I'm in control? That I'm your father? That you can trust your future with? Um, and then Psalm chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse 1. Psalm 2 verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? All the efforts, all the, the, the busyness to replace, to surplant, to usurp, to uh, deny, to ignore God. All that intelligence, all that effort uh, towards evil. God's calling it a vain thing. Verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their courts from us. Did you know that it's not shocking news that the governments of our world, really since ancient times, since biblical times, uh, have been seeking to follow the spirit of Antichrist and been seeking to uh, want to raise up against the Lord and his anointed and uh, replace and um, surplant his agenda in his life? Now, we do need to pray for a government. We do need to uh, um, uh, follow our governments uh, wherever we biblically can um, and have a good testimony. But the fact of the matter is, folks, uh, you know, people are like, oh, oh, there's this conspiracy I never saw. It's just like, you read the Bible that much? <laughs> you know? Um, verse 4, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. And the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Turn over to Psalm 33. Psalm 33 there in uh, verse 10. <clears throat> Very comforting verse of scripture. Powerful truth. Psalm 33 verse 10. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. Hmm. Well, isn't that interesting? Let me read this again. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. All of man's attempt to become the creator, to be God and worship themselves. God says, you know what? I know how to deal with that. There's no problem. He's done so before. Have you heard of the Tower of Babel? When all the human race banded together to rise up in rebellion against God, well, how did that end out? In a ruin. <laughs> the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, his thoughts of his heart to all generations. Um, notice verse 13. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth the hearts alike, he considereth all their works. Did you know that God knows what's going on? And he's not frightened. He's not concerned at all. Now, the human race may say, as we read in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 12, uh, but we will walk after our own devices. And we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. Ah, I dare God to stop us. You know, we're so intelligent and we got computers and machines that are even more intelligent and 
Well, God's been very good at doing this many times before. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2 says that the Lord uh, will condemn the wicked devices of the evil. He's put a hole to mankind's plan so many times before. The Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, when we read the book of Exodus and how uh, uh, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, glorified himself as God and how that turned out. And we see again and again and again. And if we would but just read Bible prophecy, we would know that even the Antichrist with his system and the spirit of Antichrist, that, that, that um, uh, rebellion against God in this world will fail as well. We've seen it in the Bible. We, we look at the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian king and his general who mocked God and said, well, even the Jehovah of Israel could not um, deny my armies, could not stop them. And guess what? Just a few short days later, their entire army was um, killed, killed down by some disease. God could do this again. God could easily use some plague or other methods to decimate the um, humanity and humble us again to the point where we're just seeking to survive. That's not a problem for him at all. I'm not saying I want that. I'm not saying I would be looking forward to that. That'd be, that'd be very terrible. But at the same time, God's plan won't be overthrown. No one can stop him. It says there in Psalm 106, verse 29, Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions. And the plague breaking upon them. Makes you wonder, amen, when you turn on the news cycle. Uh, I mean, just think about it. Just, you know, a nuclear war, that seems to be more likely with each day, unfortunately. Or just even, you know, some natural disasters or events that would cut us off from electricity supply. Could easily bring us within, within days back in our human development uh, to, you know, the level of the Stone Ages, so to speak. God, has, God is not worried. God's not fearful. God has no problems at all. And while mankind will try to usurp him, mankind will try to cross uh, uh, the lines of, of each uh, after its own kind, when mankind will try to replace itself or replace God, he's the Lord of history. He knows what he's doing. In um, Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, the Bible says this, Daniel 2, verse 20. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Ultimately, God is the Lord of history and can bring down or put up governments for His purposes. Let me close with Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19, verse 21. A very comforting verse of Scripture. Proverbs 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. We come up with all sorts of ideas. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. All the inventions and all the uh, intelligence and all the efforts of the human race have come and gone and come and gone. And 
God is ultimately the Lord of history. That's why it's called his story, Haman. Um, and we have to realize that his counsel is what will stand for all eternity. And what we will win at the end of the day. And folks, so we can be encouraged, even though we may not know exactly all the details of how and when and so forth, uh, you know, of the next year or the next 10 years. The fact of the matter is, ultimately, we have the big picture of the Lord of history and of the future um, where he will uh, come back to end this human uh, uh, history and he will uh, start a new age. Not artificial intelligence, not computers or robots, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And... Uh, he will uh, bring along all those who have decided to trust in Christ as Savior and who've become a spiritual new creation in Him. So the important question, rather, that we should ask tonight instead of being distracted by scary news is, well, am I going to come with Him? Am I going to be on that team? Am I knowing tonight for sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior? And that because of what He did on the cross, that I've received that personally and that he's forgiven my sins if you are a child of god in new creation in jesus christ tonight you can have reason to rejoice you have reason to rejoice as william carey a missionary of times gone by said so fittingly the future is as bright as the promises of god the future is as bright as the promises of god and folks the fact of the matter is I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared to them that love him. Do you love him? And you can know that he loves you. And he has a wonderful, uh, 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 a tremendous future plan and an eternity with him in heaven that we can't even imagine with our finite minds at this point. That is the love and the care of the Father in heaven that we are looking for. The best for the believer is always yet to come, folks. So there's no reason to be concerned. There's no reason to be scared. Um, now, in the meantime, sure, we ought to um, <clears throat> uh, defeat evil by doing good, as Romans chapter 12 says. Um, we ought to overcome evil with good. We ought to, in the meantime, uh, be witnesses during these last days and shine as bright lights and, and with boldness, with passion, with compassion, point people to that hope that you and I have um, and show them that, you know what, indeed man is not in control, but our Creator is. And, um, and so uh, we've been called to uh, be a gospel witness and we've been called to, to walk, to have a relationship with Jesus each and every day. So we don't have to just, you know, sit around and wait till heaven smacks us, so to speak, and we're, we're in, the, you know, in, a, in the New Jerusalem. Or no, we, we, we got lots to do. I mean, we, we need to be busy about the Lord's business every day. Amen? And so we, we can be encouraged and we can have the right perspective. As yes, we see the day approaching. But it doesn't mean we need to be all enamored by the spirit of fear. We need to be all paralyzed by that. That's what the enemy will want. No, rather we need to say, you know what? The closer I see it coming, the more I'm going to live for Christ. Because you know what? There's an urgency. There's an um, importance uh, uh, behind it. And, and you know what? I want to spend whatever few or many days I have to glorify Jesus on this earth, loving him with a passion. Pursuing him in the relationship, just like he loved me and just like uh, he's pursued me. That's what 
The Holy Spirit in Philippians chapter 2 and 3 encourages us to do. And so we can be busy about our creator's business while we can trust and know that whatever mankind may come up with for ideas, God's in control. So I hope and I pray that this has maybe been a little bit of help and we answered some questions and concerns. And, you know, as I said, I, you know, this is not something I, I very commonly do. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, sometimes we do need to learn how to take this Bible and you know, take it out of the, the, the church room, so to speak, and apply it into, into this, this, you know, sometimes ugly reality of our day-to-day lives. Amen. And, and look through things uh, through our, our Bible glasses, all right? And so, um, having said that, again, let me close with Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand forever. And so as we bow in prayer tonight, I'll ask all of us, if we could, please stand. Uh, we bow our heads, close our eyes in prayer. I, I'm not sure how God used... Some of these many things we've addressed. But let me ask you this. Are you doing the will of the Lord? You can know what God wants for your life. He's made it very clear in his word. We'd love to help you out in figuring that out if you want to. Um, But only those who do the will of the Lord are engaged in an agenda and in a pursuit that shall stand forever, the Bible says. Am I living for the Lord while I still can? If you're here tonight and you're not sure how your future is going to look like, you are not certain that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you've never put your life and your future into His hand and trusted Him, can I encourage you, even right here, right now, you can do that and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to save you. And trust in his death on the cross for you. If you get any questions, we'd love to help you. Dear Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much, Lord, that you have not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, that we can think in truth, we can think with a sound biblical mind, and Lord, we can trust in you with all of our concerns. And Father, whether it be just normal day-to-day things like health, like relationships, like finances, Lord, we, a lot of people are going through difficult days. Father, we know we can trust you. We, we know we find the help we need from you and the comfort. Or Lord, whether it big, be the big um, drastically changing events of the world around us, God, help us to put ourselves and to put our future into your good hand. And Lord, to just follow you each and every step, each and every day. Knowing, Lord, that we're safe and secure into your good care. We love you, Father, and we thank you for the truth from your word of God tonight, and we pray you'd bless each and every one of us here. And we ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we uh, want to close just uh, with one quick song this evening. Uh, if, uh, 
Uh, Brother Liam, could you get Esther from downstairs, please? Thank you. Uh, we want to turn to uh, to God be the glory. Amen. Uh, I'll just look up the number here for us real quick. Number 80? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, she knows the symbol better than me already. Oh, let's see if you're right. Uh, number, oh, no, that's a different one. It says glory, though, too. Very good job, Missy. Um, but there's another glory one. Uh, let me look this up here as Esther comes. Oh, 18. Did you mean 1 8? Oh, I'm sorry, Missy. Well, you are right. You see, I should have known. <laughs> Number 1 8. All right, thank you. Number 1 8. Thanks, Esther. To God be the glory. Well, just sing one verse, all right, in the stanza. Number 18. folks and i'm praying for each and every one of you please pray for me and uh, you have a blessed week amen thanks for coming tonight all right amen